0: welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Before we meet today's guests, we want to recognize our podcast partners. These are not financial arrangements. We just support each other. Uh, We Coach, the global community of women in high school sports, the Florida Coaches Coalition, and Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Um, These are four great organizations. You should add them to your network and connect with them. And now don't hit that fast-forward button. Uh, Stay with us for the next three minutes as we recognize our podcast sponsors. Uh, These vendors are companies that I used as a coach or as an AD. You should use them too. Here we go. We want to thank Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to Huddle.com and change the way you see the game. Huddle is going to provide your coaches, your teams your athletes with the tools that they need to play at the highest level it's going to be a complete professional grade solution for the challenges that we face as athletic directors go to huddle.com see why we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle join the six million users find out how to turn your school into a huddle school we also want to thank gipper Go to Gipper.com. See how athletic directors are creating world-class content for their school's social media channel. Mention our podcast. Use the code ADPOD10 and you'll get 10% off. That's Gipper.com. Create custom content for your school's social media channel. We want to thank Sideline Interactive indoor scoring tables and video boards. Go to SidelineInteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their scoreboards in action. They don't just raise income for your department. They also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. That's sidelineinteractive.com. Schedule that live web demo today. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets For all the events at your school, not just athletic events, but things like school plays and concerts, dances, even graduation. And the best part, you'll have a dedicated client success manager that's providing you hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com right now. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com, check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage, and of course, there's Snap Raise, their fundraising platform that we used with great success, and so will you. They even have a program where you can get your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anyone else offers that. Go to snapraise.com and get started. snapraise.com. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. The Wall of Fame is an interactive touch screen video console that's going to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present, in academics, athletics, and the arts. But it's also an extensive content program that's going to help you tell more compelling stories to better engage your audience. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com slash jake. And get your wall of fame today. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic department. ADs usually only hear back from that 2%, the squeaky wheel parent or the frustrated student-athlete. And we need to hear back from them so we can affect positive changes in our programs. But we also need to hear back from the 98% that love and support our program. And that's where Athletic Surveys comes in. They can create a custom survey for your school, allowing you to take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. And that's tremendously valuable information to have. Go to AthleticSurveys.com, see how they can help you. That's AthleticSurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're staying right here in Florida today, and we've got a really cool guest. Our guest is Morgan Jones. Uh, Morgan is a uh, former Division I athlete at Florida State, uh, outstanding basketball player, played professionally. Uh, In the years since graduation, she's um, become a consultant, an entrepreneur, uh, a speaker on a national level. Uh, She has her own website. That's morganmjones.com. We're going to talk about that later. Um, And she's going to talk about transforming athletes to visionaries. I'm excited to hear her share. Morgan Jones, welcome to the Educational Lady podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Jake. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, again, we were talking before we started to record. Uh, uh, We connected on LinkedIn. I thought you'd be a great guest for our listeners. So Let's go and jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that uh, bio, where you were born, where you grew up. Uh, We certainly want to hear about uh, your high school and your college days, and then we'll probably take a little break. But uh, what's the Morgan Jones origin story?
1: Oh, the origin story. I love the way you put that. So I was born in Rockledge, Florida, and... um, I have a sister who is two and a half years older than me. So it's just her and I. Um, And I'm biracial. So my mother's Caucasian and my dad is African-American. My parents have been married 30 years and basketball started for me in the YMCA. Those are the earliest memories that I have playing in co-ed leagues. You know, I can remember watching my sister on the sidelines um, initially and, was not very interested in it. Um, I was more interested in playing uh, hide and seek at the Y, or, you know, just everything else but basketball, right? As a young, you know, five, six, seven-year-old girl. And, um, but watching my sister and just seeing how much she loved the game and the friendships she was able to develop and the sense of belonging that sports looked like it provided, um, I, I, I started getting engaged in it. And um, my parents were the coaches and my parents have always been my coaches. Um, So I do have that experience of of being coached by parents. Uh, They had an AAU organization called uh, Debo, so it's D-E-B-O, where it was one of the first female athletes, only girls programs that were around at the time. Um, They had four teams. We traveled the country on um, recruiting circuits And basketball was in my life, whether I wanted it to be or not. (laughs) And so um, I was super grateful to have two parents that really showed the example through action. I was one of the many different athletes that went on to the collegiate level. Um, And that was just the norm, um, was to excel and make it to the college level and get get a college scholarship. And so in middle school, I was actually not very good. I liked I remember the days when I used to sit on the bench. And after the games, I used to wonder, why not me? Why did I not get in? Am I not good enough? You know, what do I need to do to be better? Is this game really for me? Um, I remember in eighth grade that happening and it really um shifted my perspective because no one likes to be sidelined. Right. <laughs> and I put a lot of work into the game. I started doing overtime, um, you know, putting a lot of hours in the gym. And setting very distinct and often lofty goals. So I remember going into my dad used to uh have this blog. There used to, there wasn't Instagram or Twitter or any of that back back when I played. Um, but there was like a blog where parents could go on to a site and they could uh just talk about the different athletes in the area and I walked into the room and I told my dad, I said, hey, dad, I I just, I really want to be a great basketball player. And so I want to be a top 10 player in the country by the time I graduate high school. This was my eighth grade going into ninth grade year. And as as any dad hopefully would say, even though it sounded really crazy, he was like, okay, let's do it. We got to put in the work, but you can do it. And so um, I started that journey of just showing up and doing what I was supposed to do and working really hard. And from that point, I went from like number 30th player in the country, a sophomore, to by the time I finished my junior year, I was the number ninth player in the country, which afforded me opportunities to be a McDonald's All-American, um, a USA Olympic invitee, um, over a hundred plus division one scholarships. And then, um, you know, obviously been able to go to the next level and get my schooling paid for. So that's some of my origin story kind of pieced together the best I could with it about a minute and a half. <laughs>
0: No, that's uh, uh that's what we want to hear. Um, I, I, I'm curious. Um, uh, I had the opportunity to you know coach our three kids, you know my daughters when they were much younger. Uh, then it became better that I wasn't coaching them, uh, and then our son, you know, in in football. Um, what's your memory? I, I, I'm guessing it was pretty positive uh, of being coached, you know, by your dad. Uh, were there ever any moments uh, where you know you it, the the standard uh response is, you know, hey, I need you to be a dad, not a coach. uh, how did he balance that how what's your memory of that?
1: Mm. so I don't have um so it was my mom and my dad. They coached together. And okay. they ran the program together, and um i again, I was just one of sixty. I think prior to me there was 30 girls that went on to college. And so um, my parents never really, I guess, you know, put too much pressure on me because they knew what they were doing was bigger than just my journey. Um, And I was able to witness that. And my parents did a really great job at, once the game was over, it was over. Um, I don't ever remember like them in the car, you know, yelling at me or, You know, making me feel any pressure or like taking things from me because of my performance. I never had that relationship with them. Um, I know there's a lot of parents out there nowadays that really go to the extreme to get their children to perform how they want them to. That wasn't that wasn't my situation, and so I'm really fortunate that my experience of being coached by my parents was positive.
0: And and again, that's what we would hope. You know, for all of our student athletes, that they can have that experience, whether their parents are coaching them or not. We talk as athletic directors. Uh, about the ride home you know let's you know make the ride home you know a positive experience whether you were coaching or not uh, you know great message there uh let's uh jump forward uh, you, you had a tremendous college career uh we'll talk about you know your pro experience later but uh you know what are some things that stick out for you from your collegiate playing days
1: Wow. So for my collegiate playing days, some of the things that stuck out were one, I started off at Northwestern University, which is in Chicago in the Big Ten. So I had the opportunity there to play with my sister, who I mentioned earlier. Um, she was a guard at Northwestern. And so her and I playing together was definitely a memory that that stuck out, very unique. Um, also being at Northwestern University and being surrounded by some of the brightest minds in the world um, and educators was really, really cool. Um, I took a class, um, a, a how Walt Disney and Disney World started, like talk about origin story, right? And we just went so deep in animation and it was fascinating. Um, so I loved that. And then um, at Florida State, which I transferred to after my first year, that was a really great experience because FSU has a culture of excellence They, um, in terms of our sporting expectations, they're really high. So I felt like I got a really rich experience there. Our football team was a, the national champions. um, And we went into, um, when I went into Florida state, my goal has always been, let me back up a little bit. My, I love the underdog. That is, I I just love the underdog. I'm always going to choose them. I'm always going to root for them. That's just me. So, um, when I transferred to Florida state, I, I or when I was transferring, I knew I wanted to be a part of a program that wasn't fully established, like, meaning you have your Yukons or you go to schools that you know they consistently are in the top fifteen or top five programs in the world in the country. I was like, "I want to go into a program, then be just okay, and then take them to being great." Right. Um, and so, in choosing Florida State, I saw that potential there. And so when I arrived, we were unranked and we were at the bottom of the ACC. And by the time I left, we were top five in the country. Um, We made it to the NCAA elite eight. And so we lost to South Carolina to go to the final four. Um, So along that journey of, you know, making it to that level um, in the collegiate ranks comes a lot of perks a really cool experiences. Uh, We went to Africa, we've been to Italy. Um, I got to play with, you know, really incredible players, awesome teammates and be coached by really strong women. Um, Coach Sue Semarau and Brooke Wycloff were, you know, the leaders of the program and the team. And, you know, it's one of those things when I was under their leadership at the time, you don't really see it fully. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, <laughs> may look back and even you Jake, right? Like all the lives you've touched, when do you see the fruits of that right like when do you when can you actually see how it's changed um your life and so now i reflect on that often of how unique and cool that was to have such powerful women leading me in my collegiate life
0: Yeah, um as i was doing uh, my research uh for this interview uh florida state uh, great website they have archived uh some of their you know web posts and there's a several there where you know coach is, you know, commenting on you and your leadership and your growth from sophomore to junior to senior, um, you know, that had to be a, a great experience. And and you mentioned one of the things that stuck out for me um, as a, a memorable event was when you took that trip to Africa. Um, can you maybe share a little bit uh, with our listeners about that?
1: Yeah, it was incredible. We We got the opportunity through, uh, Nike has a program that they do where every four years, uh, power five division one schools, um, can go overseas. So ideally like every athlete would get an opportunity to compete overseas. And, um, and so typically teams go overseas to play in one country. Um, they go there for like 10 days or so. And uh, Coach Tussam Rao in our program decided to break it up. And so we did, I think, six days in Africa and then the other six in Italy. So we had both experiences. But um, it was so humbling. Um, It was so enriching. We just driving in the town, in the city, went to Senegal. And just to see the conditions that they live in and the gratitude that they have with the conditions that they live in um being able to visit orphanages and hearing from the instructors and the leaders that all they need is to be held and we had the opportunity to do that um going on a real safari not like a disney world like safari like a real safari where there's like real giraffes and rhinos i mean the the instructors on the on the uh on the trucks there was open doors so it is similar like the one at disney but um they actually kind of like said you can get out and they're like, yeah, you can get out. Yeah. Like the giraffes only 15 feet up the way. Yeah. You can get out. He won't attack you. And I'm like, okay. Like I'm kind of a risk taker. So I'm like, cool. But um, overall, just an incredible experience um being able to be there and then compete against Senegalese women. Um, And when I say women, I mean, women, they had kids, they had families and they were so strong. I don't think I've ever played against such powerful, strong women that Quite frankly, Jake, they they wiped us out. Like, they, they killed us. <laughs> oh, rightfully so. They're like, this American team's coming in here. We're going to show them what's up. So um, it was. It was an incredible experience, something that I'll never forget.
0: <laughs> They're looking at you and say, get out of here, kid. Yeah, yes. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. Very cool stuff. Thanks for sharing that. For our listeners, our guest today is Morgan Jones, uh, former college professional athlete, uh, now an operator entrepreneur we're going to hear more about that uh when we come back let's go and take our first break this is the educational 80 podcast we want to say thanks to huddle for their support of the podcast as a football coach i used huddle for years but when i became an athletic director i made sure our school was a huddle school go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game huddle provided our coaches our student athletes with the tools that they needed to perform at the highest level. It was a professional grade solution for the challenges that we all face. Go to huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 6 million users, turn your school into a huddle school. We also wanna say thanks to Gipper. Go to gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channel. You can do it in seconds and you don't need any design training. Use our podcast code ADPOD10 and you'll get 10% off. That's gipper.com. Welcome back everyone to the educational AD podcast. Our guest is Morgan Jones. Morgan uh, again, you had an outstanding career collegiately. And then uh, you also had the opportunity to play professionally. I always, Uh, tell the joke uh, which is true Uh, injuries and a lack of talent uh, kept me out of the NFL Uh, but you know you obviously had the talent to play at that next level so uh, share a little bit about that experience
1: playing professionally was was the dream Jake it was the dream it's what you know, you you set out to to play a sport, and first it's it's friendship, it's belonging, it's you know, identity forming, and then you know you move into the next stage of you know really competing, and then you're looking at the what the future could look like if you stayed committed, and you know the goal eventually gets to go to college, and then when that gets certain, then it's like hey, let's go to the pros, and so. You know, I feel like the the professional level was like I'm here. Like I almost want to like stand on top of the mountain and go, I did it, I made it. Um, and so it was it was really cool. Uh, it was really rewarding um, in the sense that I played in Puerto Rico professionally, and that is a very strong league across women uh, basketball. And really immersed in the culture. Got to you know eat steak and beans and rice and learn a little Espanol and, and compete. You know, you played one, you know, one or two games a week and you practice every day and you played with locals. Um, they really, really love women's basketball over there. A lot of fans. Um, and so it was, it was a really unique experience um, to say the least. It was interesting though, because, you know, as, as you guys know, and I'm sure your listeners, listeners know as well, is that you know, women's basketball, women's sports, we're, we're really trying to reveal all the incredible things um, that we have to offer and how entertaining our game can be. And so, um, you know, the professional level isn't quite um, to the standard of where the men are. Um, you know, college sports with Title IX, that makes a lot of our experience very similar to the men. Uh, but when you get to the professional level, it's really all about how much is the team producing? Is it making money, et cetera? So, um, you know, some of the living conditions were ideal for sure. I lived like in almost like a shopping plaza where you, we opened the doors. No one can probably see me, but you like open two double doors and you like walked in and there was no windows, cement floors, um, you know, maybe like a three by four shower, didn't get hot. Um, and, you know, so the, the conditions were not ideal. And then the you know, competing was a little bit different. Uh, let me explain that a little bit. So the basketball is basketball, but the more you climb the ladder and get better at the game, the more it becomes a business. And what I don't think that youth sports or, you know, the kind of the journey of sports doesn't really inform the athlete too much of is like, when does that switch over to a business? And when it does switch over to a business, how do you now need to operate? Um That's a, that's a tricky thing that I think now they're trying, they're implementing more with NIL, but it needed to be back then because, um, you know, everything was based on the ways in which I put the ball in the basket. I didn't put the ball in the basket. I wasn't of much value to my team. Um, and so if you did not have a good game, you were threatened to go home and not be able to, um, on track would just be terminated. So there was a lot of pressure there, a lot of self-reflection of like, how much do I still love this game? this still the thing that i want to do i'm away from home you know different um cultural um experiences that were good and very uncomfortable too um so i was playing with my team consistently very like well and i got to a point where i had a couple bad games in a row and uh the coach came into the locker room after one of the games and they speak Spanish. So what happens when you're in the locker room is the coach will say everything. And then the one teammate that knows is bilingual will come over and explain it to you. And, um, the coach was just yelling. He was just yelling and I'm like, Oh, and then all of a sudden he'd be yelling. And then I would hear Morgan Morgan. And then he'd go back to Spanish. And I'm like, oh, he's saying something about me here. (laughs) So, uh, my teammate came over to me and said, you know, coach said that if you don't score the ball, you're going home. And um, it was kind of like this very simple statement that really set in in a way of like, really had me look at my love for it, if I had it anymore, um, my value, like, man, am I really just, is that really my value? Is Am I more than this? Because now I'm here, there's not much elsewhere to go. I'm here and I'm threatened to be sent home anymore. Like, do I still wanna be motivated by that? And so, um, you know, the next game they ended up letting me go. Um, But ironically, the week that they let me go is the same week they had the uh, all-star game for the uh, league. And so I had been asked to compete in that. And so I was not on any team. I was going in as a free agent, if you will. And I went into the the all-star game and I just like told myself and my friend that was there at the time, I'm like, if this is how I'm gonna go out, oh, I'm gonna go out. I'm going to go out how I want to go out. And so, um, you know, I just got out there. played really hard. I shot every shot. <laughs> and um, I, I ended up getting MVP of the game, of the, of the All-Star game, right? And so there was this moment, Jake, where, like, I'm not on a team. I'm a free agent. And literally, uh, I have to stand in the middle of the court with everyone watching as I hold these trophies with the owners of the league and all this stuff and just kind of have this really gratifying moment of, like, all right, this is how I'm going to go out. Um, so what I did from there is obviously I performed really well, so I got asked to plan another team and another contract, and that was a really hard decision for me because I was already mentally a little bit done. Right. But then I said, you know, if I take this one more week, I get I get my check right. I get paid for this week. I'm like, why don't I just have my family, like fly my family to Puerto Rico and let's like, let's just have a good time. And let's like close out this whole professional basketball career thing together. And so I flew my family into Puerto Rico. I, I played with this team for one week. And then after that, like I went home and that was, and that was the conclusion of my my athlete journey is really kind of leaving on my terms with the people that I love that I started the journey with. And, um you know, and then looking and seeing, okay, now world, the world has opened up so much. Who am I? What do I
0: want to do? And how do I move forward? Well, what a great way uh, to go out. Uh, I don't think everybody gets that opportunity at any level, high school, college or pro. Uh, Was there any conversation or any, you know, look across the court uh, at your coach uh, from your previous team uh, as you're holding that MVP hardware?
1: Oh man. there wasn't a specific look um it was almost like all of the presence and what happened did its own heavy lifting
0: right yeah <laughs> nothing yeah, needed so no to be specific
1: set. moment nope
0: <laughs> all right i I've, I've got a question for you so we're going off script here okay um and you know certainly you're not expected to you know be the arbiter of of all things women's international sports but here we go um you know you made the comment and i think it's very true that you know puerto rico and even worldwide i think you know women's professional sports are uh, very much appreciated and enjoyed by uh the other countries um and you know anybody that watched uh the ncaa you know um final four or, or the tournament for women this year you saw some great basketball huge crowds huge ratings uh and you're right the the product the basketball is great uh the wnba you know it's still catching up you know the nba's been around for a lot longer so i think people sometimes forget about that but here's my question you know puerto rico uh you know latin american country you know i i'm probably you know, breaking all kinds of, you know, politically correct rules here, but I think kind of a male, you know, dominated culture historically, you know, why are are women's sports and we can talk basketball, why is women's basketball so much more accepted and embraced in other countries than in the United States? Do you have an answer for that or an explanation, not an answer?
1: (laughs) Mm. I can speak for basketball. Right, Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, and I'm just thinking like, (laughs) probably be like, yeah, that. I'm thinking, um, the U.S. is known so, like the NBA is the U.S. is like a sport, right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's NFL, yes, but the NBA is like such a big deal here. Um, And I think the WNBA is... Obviously behind in years, right? Like they're almost 20 years off from conception, so they're catching up. Um, but I think that our culture puts just a ton of value on how things produce revenue, right? Like, if it's not making money, then it's not entertaining, it's not interesting, or it's not, or it should be like the men where the men are dunking. Like there's just this like status complex we have here that is way more intensified than it is in other countries. That may be a stretch, right? Um, But, you know, it doesn't seem as like dominant over there in terms of like something has to be making a ton of money in order to be deemed as valuable. so I w- I would say that that has something to do with it that you're right. uh, is, mm-hmm. is is definitely changing, um, but you know primarily I think that that has a part of it. That's that's the stance I'll take today.
0: <laughs> no no and, and and I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I was thinking uh, in the other countries and again they have their pro leagues you know whatever, but maybe it's not to the extent that. Um, it's here in the United States and that they can just appreciate, you know, Hey, these are great athletes. Uh, you know, these are men, these are women. And and we just love sport, which I think is how it should be. Um, and again, talking about the WNBA and the NBA, I, I saw a figure and I'm probably going to blow this. And I know we're really getting into the weeds here, but I, I think the, the NBA makes, you know, $10 billion every year in revenue and the WNBA is still operating at a, $10 million a year loss, you know, each year. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we can see it getting more popular and and doing better. All right. We're going to come out of the weeds. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our guest for our listeners uh, is Morgan Jones, uh, college professional athlete, uh, successful entrepreneur. Uh, we're going to hear about what she has done with her business or consulting or speaking business uh, after our break. Uh, but let's take another break. This is the educational ad podcast Hmm? we want to say thanks to sideline interactive indoor score tables and video boards for their support of the podcast you've heard me say before one of the best purchases i ever made as an athletic director was our sideline interactive indoor score table of course we used it for home games but we also used it for pep rallies for signing ceremonies Their products are tremendously versatile and the customer service is just outstanding. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Schedule a live web demo and see their tables and their boards in action. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to thank hometown ticketing for their support. Go to hometownticketing.com and they're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets for your events, not just athletic events, But things like school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation, and the best part, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support every step of the way. That's hands-on support to you every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com and get started today. Simple and easy online ticketing. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Morgan, one of the things that I really uh, enjoy about the podcast is having our guests share some of the mentors that they've had in their lives. You know, none of us get to where we're at on our own. So who are some of the people that have helped you along the way?
1: Wow, I've had really great mentors and I think mentors is always interesting Cause I think it's like, okay, what is a mentor? How do they operate? How does this go? Um, And so the people that I consider mentors are people that um, either said the right thing when I needed it the most, showed up in my life when I needed someone there. um, And then a person that I can call on to give sound advice. Um, so I've had a quite quite a few of them um, that have helped guide me in different areas of my life. Um, not just basketball, right? Not just entrepreneurship, but relationships, spirituality, um, that has made me just more of a complete person. So, I think, you know, going off of what we had mentioned about Florida State and Coach Sue Summerow and Coach Brooke Wycloth, um, they're both really incredible mentors of mine. Um, and I say that because they, you know, enduring my journey at Florida State, they were always present for me. And then just to see how they're still in my life. And support my work now and support who I am and continue to draw me in and help me and provide resources where necessary. It's, it's really, it's really awesome. Um, they're really great relationships and there's something that there's no dollar sign for them. Um, so they've been great. And then I've had a lot of really, really sound men, um, you know, business owners and professional athletes that have come in and just given me really great nuggets to just keep me hopeful and keeping me and keeping me to just take the next step. What is just the next step? And, um, I had one, uh, Brandon Marshall. He is a uh, former NFL athlete, pro bowler. Um, And I remember calling him right when I was transitioning uh, careers and just kind of figuring out how to go about really being an entrepreneurship. And I came from a family of entrepreneurship. My mom was a, a business owner as well. And I was at this crossroad of, do I start my own or do I fall into the family business? and. I had a desire to really take the risk and start my own, but I felt like he would be a great person. And so I called him and I was just sharing with him and he didn't tell me one way or the other, but what he did say is Morgan, don't, if you start now and you build the life that you really want and you're doing something you love, you're gonna turn around at 35, 37, and realize you're living the life of your dreams. Like, so don't focus on money, focus on doing what you love and building what you love. And, you know, that was eight, nine years ago. And, you know, and here I am. So I think just the right advice at the right time. And, you know, he's still a mentor to me today and cheers me on as he sees, you know, his advice unfolding in my life. Uh,
0: I I love that whole theme. And it it makes me think very much uh, uh, back to something my dad told me. Uh, My dad was a contractor. And my brothers and I, we got to work for him growing up. Uh, And I just hated every minute of it. Uh, But uh, I think I was probably eighth or ninth grade. I was probably griping about something on the job site. And uh, he said, Jake, you know, the secret to happiness is finding something that you love to do and then convincing somebody else to pay you to do that. And he had found that in his career as a contractor. He loved every minute of it. And fortunately, I was able to find that with teaching and coaching and and being an athletic director. Um, So uh, I'm very much with you on that, you know, living your best life, you know, loving what you do, and you still got a long way to go. So that's, that's great that you could find that.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Love that.
0: Um, Let's go ahead and um, talk about uh, um, what you're doing right now. Uh, As I mentioned, you know, you're a very successful speaker. You speak to a lot of companies, businesses, teams, Uh, you're um, in demand as a consultant, Uh, you have your own company. Um, I think two, I'm going to let you talk about that, but two things that really jumped out to me as I was um, looking at your website, you know, the athletes to visionaries and then the vision box. So talk a little bit if you can about both of those and again, share with our listeners uh, why they should go to uh, your website.
1: Absolutely. So the vision, so at first it started off as, you know, we we talked about it. So it's great that you guys understand the backstory a little bit. So when I transitioned out of professional athletics, there was this, there was this gap period of about a year where I had realized so much of my identity was in my sport. I had really, really no idea of like how to forge a path forward. If it wasn't about the next practice, the next game, you know, And my cheerleaders of coaches, teammates, fans, classmates, et cetera. So it led me back home on the couch with mom and dad driving Uber, figuring out what do I want to do? Um, And it was kind of a low point. You know, I've definitely turned to things that, you know, most people do when they're trying to distract themselves and did not find any fulfillment in there. And luckily I knew what fulfillment looked like. So what I started to... Do was uh, contact some of my former teammates that had transitioned and were now out of sports, and I said, "Man, did you guys do? You guys feel like we were prepared for this? Like we went from five star hotels, staying at Ritz Carlton, flying private jets, and all of a sudden, I'm like on mom and dad's couch, like in this like sales job where I'm making twelve dollars an hour and like selling apartments. And okay, cool, I guess. And I found this common theme that a lot of athletes do not feel prepared for life after sports. And there was a gap there. That um, was like, hmm, I wonder if I could help athletes, not necessarily find a job, because that's not really what it's about, but it's really like discovering who they are without this sport, like getting back to the essence of who they are prior to everything that happened in the conditioning of being an athlete. And, Um, that's kind of where like this idea of like being an athlete where it's pretty limited in a sense, like very much a label and a lot of, um, biases around it. And then how do we become like a visionary where we have like bold and original ideas about what our future can and will be like. And so it started off as just like, how can we transform that those beliefs, right? Or that thought process or that identity. and I started speaking about it. So I would just go and like ask my old high school, like, hey, can I come and speak? And I would go into the portables and talk to 30 athletes. And and I just started serving it and like coming up with different ways to communicate it. And I found like everyone was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if basketball started, stop right now, who I would be and what I would do. So that's the origin of athletes to visionaries. And then I kept growing on speaking it and then it turned into events where we had a sold out event here in Orlando where we did it just for female athletes. And we had the athletes, the parents and the coaches in attendance. And we had this unified message of, you know, who are you beyond the game? What is your vision for your life? And so that event went really well. Um, Once we finished the event, we had a recap video and that video went to some really key decision makers in the apparel industry. And we were on our way to, um, you know, representing one of these brands in their Women's Month initiative. And uh, NCAA Final Four picked up our event. So things were going really well. We're like, oh, we're onto something. Like, athletes and visionaries, like, let's go. Then comes the pandemic. So everything shut down. We had to cancel events. And, you know, we're back all stuck in the house. It's just really, really hard times. And so me being who I am, (laughs) I was like, I had my couple months where I just sat in the reality of what was happening in our world and then I quickly was like but, but we got to figure something out like we can't just stop helping people we can't stop serving this mission we can't stop you know spreading hope and possibility to people and um that's where the vision box was born so it was born of like piecing together different tools that can help people create a new and more profound vision for their life, um, being somewhere where you're not totally comfortable and then how do we get you to where you wanna be? Um, and a vision board was a huge part of my journey in defining um, you know, who I am and the impact that I wanna have and the woman that I wanna become. And it's manifested in ways where I'm just a 100% believer in creating vision boards around the things you want. And so I basically kitted that and I put that into the vision box, and so a vision box is a toolkit that helps you create a powerful vision for your life. Um, helps you get focused, re-energized, um, and reimagine what what the future can look like. So that's how those two have come together. Um, they've continued to transform because in entrepreneurship, you got to stay with the times, and you got to keep just keep the mission and the vision at the center, but make sure you're adapt- adapting. So. It's, um, it's then transitioned into program, a program for, um, high level athletes who are transitioning out of sports. So we help them emotionally transition. Um, it's turned into retreats. So we have retreats for athletes, former athletes on how to tell your story powerfully, um, in a way that inspires others. Um, and we use the vision box with all of that. So, you know, athletes, visionaries, it served over 5,000 female, uh, high level athletes. Um, and it, and it's growing, you know, every day. So why you should go to my website because there's a lot of really cool resources and tools and me, um, (laughs) all there. And, uh, it's, it's really something where, you know, Jake and everyone that's listening, it's, it's authentic, you know, and the people that you, you lead right now, they want nothing more than to be in front of people who love what they do. So they can start to believe in what they feel like they love to do. Um, they, you know, it's you know, every, every person right now wants to feel seen, (laughs) wants to feel heard. Um, And so, you know, experiencing any part of my brand athletes, the visionaries, the vision box, or me speaking is going to put the power back in them and inspire them to, to ignite and take control of their future.
0: Well, I'm glad you made that uh, mention of the website. Uh, We'll do this again at the end, but if our listeners wanted to visit the website (laughs) or even reach out and connect with you, What's the best way they can do that? Go ahead and give out that website and then maybe your contact info.
1: Absolutely. morganmjones.com. Um, Instagram, it's Visions with Mo. So Visions W-I-T-H-M-O. Um, and my email is Morgan at Morganm Okay.
0: Again, uh, Morgan Jones, entrepreneur, you know, former athlete, uh, visionary. Um <laughs> We'll get that information out again at the end of the podcast, but let's take another quick break. We've got more coming up. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Snap Mobile for their support of the podcast. Go to snapraise.com, and you're going to find an entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an AD do your job better. You've got Snap Manage, Snap Connect, Snap Store, and also Snap Raise, their fundraising platform. We use SnapRaise at our school with great success, and it'll work for you too. They even have a program where they will give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. Go to snapraise.com and check out all the ways that they can help you. That's snapraise.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is Morgan Jones. Morgan, you talked a little bit in the previous segment about the Vision Box, and again, I had already mentioned it was really intriguing to me. Um, share, if you can, uh, a little bit more about that, and and how our listeners could take you know better advantage of that and the services you provide uh, with your website.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the yeah, so the Vision Box is. It's it's a fantastic tool to be able to really ignite your team's vision um, and your values and really get direction on the way you want your season to go. You know, right now, you know, I know we had, right now, some of you coaches may be, uh, you know, working or coaching, you know, Gen Zs, right? Um, is that where you at, Jake? Is it Zs? Is it Ls, MPs? I don't know, sometimes. You but, should
0: know this, okay.
1: Yeah, right, I should Sure, no, but I think it's Gen Z. So, um, you know, they're they're just growing up in a different time. Uh, it's it's, it's a, everything is digital. They are they have that phone in front of their faces, you know, three three to six hours a day. You know, just creating TikToks and videos and and also being consumed a lot with with other people's content. And a lot of influences are coming their way of who they should be, how they should operate, how they should act, what their goals should be that I think Gen Z is going to, um, that's going to be a little bit of a struggle for them in terms of identity. And then getting really um, focused on the direction that they want their life, their role on your team or their values and what they're good at, their talents, their skills, like that's, that's going to be a harder thing for them to pinpoint because there's so many other influences around them. They're always comparing themselves to who's on the internet or what has the most likes and follows. So in in talking about that issue, right? it's like, so then what what could be a potential solution or a tool that could help them with that? And the vision box is that, because it is a box that has um, all the tools to be able to help them define their values. So for coaches, what I suggest is saying, have them really understand their role on the team and what they want for themselves for that season. Um, The same way you have your team vision and your team values, each one of your players should have a vision for, for their role on the team and how they're going to stick to the values that they choose as the point guard, as the wide receiver, as the, the left left hitter um, and be able to visually have a reminder of that throughout the season can make a real impact. And it's almost like a tool for you too to keep your athletes accountable to what they said they would do um, their goals, right? Their values, their vision. Um, It's something that, they're going to need as they leave from up underneath uh, your leadership is knowing how to set goals for themselves, how to stay true to who they are, you know, how to pull themselves out of, you know, emotional and mental ruts, right? So I think the vision box is really great. And and I also say that because, you know, through my consulting and, um, you know, my partnering with really great organizations, um, we just did an agreement, a collaboration, partnership with the WNBA, um, and so the WNBA is utilizing the Vision Box um, across all of their "Her Time to Play" initiative, which is going out to uh, about six thousand young women across the nation. Girls basketball players and coaches are going to help facilitate um, a team vision board for them. So it's going to be really awesome. It's spreading a lot of really good, you know, awareness and connection, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, and then practically.
0: Yeah again I, I just see so many different applications uh for athletic directors and coaches uh you know very cool stuff uh, again I appreciate you sharing that um one more time let's give out that uh, website so our athletic directors our listeners can connect and, and find out more
1: yeah so the vision box's website is thevisionbox.com we were lucky enough to grab that url um so it's thevisionbox.com and then my my website is morganmjones.com okay.
0: Morgan Jones, Uh, we're going to be back with some more. So uh, listeners, please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thank you to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. The Wall of Fame is an interactive touchscreen video console that's going to highlight the performances of your students' athletic, academic, and in the arts, but it's a lot more than that. The Wall of Fame is also an extensive content program that allows you to tell more compelling stories to better engage your audience. To find out more, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products, and when you're ready to buy, use the link vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake to get a nice discount. Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Check out their products today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD podcast. Morgan, one of the topics that we've um, used almost since the very beginning has to do with this idea of toughness. Now, a 100 years ago, when I was in high school, uh, our coaches would say things like, you know, come on, Jake, you got to be tough or come on, Jake, you got to suck it up. And I think we kind of knew what they meant and we did it. Uh, In the many years since I was in high school, I think we've figured out much better ways to communicate with student-athletes, but I still think that toughness is an important aspect of sports and of life. So here's my question for you. How can a coach or an AD or a leader help a Generation Z kid uh, to develop toughness while also being uh, sensitive to and aware of the many challenges that they're facing now that I never had to go through back in my day. Uh, Do you have any advice for us?
1: Yes, I do. I think one, I don't think that, you know, the tough, the way we build toughness, you know, way, the way that you were mentioning how how to build toughness, I think is very similar to how we need to build toughness. Now, I don't know if there's a huge, a huge difference. It's definitely something that is, you know, on the inside of, Every person, and it's up to the coach to know how to pull it out. Um, I think that there's a couple ways um, to do that, and one, you know, what I have found is that, you know, everything is so accessible to Gen Z. Uh, Information is accessible. Um, You know, they're they're you know they're always on their phones. They have their friends. They've got everything they need, right? They think they do. So. I like to look at it as, you know, how can you manufacture adversity? So you can really understand one, where do, where does your, where do your athletes stand from a toughness standpoint? If you're passive about when you're inserting something that will bring up adversity, then you're not necessarily paying attention to what's happening to your team during those moments. Um, you'll learn more about your athletes and who, who has a higher threshold, who is your toughest player on the field, on the court. Um, and so I would say that a manufacturing adversity is something to consider, right? I've obviously always stay safe, right? But notice when you're putting something in, that's making to see where they're at. I had a coach, I had a coach in uh, college, uh, our strength and conditioning coach, our preseason in college is something that, you know, it's not, it's not something I'm, they're not the brightest of my moments in college, but I can remember being on the line and we had to do these sevens and you had to go down and back seven times. And I was on my last one and I remember feeling like there's no way I'm going to do this. Like this must be a joke that they think that we're actually going to finish this. And my strength and conditioning coach just reassured me, you can do this, Morgan, you can do this. Ready? Go. And in the back of my mind, I knew if I didn't complete this, I was coming back at 6 AM the next day, right? Talk about manufacturing adversity or having to make that decision. All of a sudden, I hit a second win. I hit a second stride. And it was it was it the getting up at 6 a.m. that pushed me or what? But I finished it. <laughs> I somehow got to that line. Um and it showed myself, honestly, that it's almost like I lifted up another ceiling of my potential. Like something that I thought I couldn't do in my brain. I convinced myself I could do or they manufactured something to make me feel like I could and now I know I can do that. So now I'm tougher. I can I can handle more. I'm and when it's the last seconds in the game, I know that my mind may be telling me you're too tired to keep going, but I've had this experience of otherwise. So it's 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 kind of seeing how can you manufacture that and then the second thing that I would say is connection is so important that people work hard for the people that they know care about them. Right. Find find ways to connect with your athletes because they will run through the wall if they know you care.
0: Well, I think you hit on all the key components there. Uh, You know, we'll talk about the last one, you know, that connection, the relationships, Um, you know, back in the day, you know, (laughs) long time ago when I was in high school, our coaches didn't think, talk or worry about um, being connected um or having a relationship with us it just wasn't done but they did have a relationship you know we knew that they cared about us we also knew they were going to work our tails off uh to help us get better um and nowadays i, I think we have to um you know we, we have to we should we need to explain to our student athletes okay this is why we're going to do this but you talked about yourself in your situation that coach said you can do that so there's that equal parts you know, kicking in the butt and patting on the back and, and for each individual athlete and finding out, you know, what's the best way to to help this kid, this student athlete or this adult get better. So great, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um This has just been so cool. I was um, hoping, I knew it was going to be a great interview, but I was hoping it was going to be great, but it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us, but we're not done yet. We always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're not an athletic director, but you certainly know your way around the world of athletics. So we're going to take our final break here from Athletic Surveys, who sponsor this segment. When we come back, we're going to find out what Morgan Jones is going to put into her new athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to thank Athletic Surveys for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys are a quick and easy way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic directors typically only hear back from that 2%, uh, the squeaky wheel parent or the frustrated student athlete, and we need to hear back from them so we can affect positive change but we also need to hear back from the 98% that really love and support our program. And that's where athletic surveys comes in. They're going to connect you with your student athletes and your parents, let you take the pulse of those groups. That's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to that squeaky wheel parent or your school board or your principal, go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you put together a custom survey for your school. That's athletic Surveys com well it's that time of the podcast we've been visiting with morgan jones uh former college and professional athlete now a very successful entrepreneur and speaker uh but right now i'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new athletic director on the very first job and i'm only going to let her put three things in their toolbox morgan what three items are gonna go into your new Athletic Director Toolbox?
1: Hmm. The three items that are gonna go into my Athletic Director Toolbox is going to be, um, number one, listen to your people. Um, Number two, hire people who don't look like you. And um, number three, Oh um
0: I know there's so many things you would want to put into your
1: right like what it what would be the what would be the thing um so I said listen listen to your people um hire people who don't look like you and um you know uh don't like don't be afraid to create. Ath- okay. So I would say the third, I would say the third thing is creating athlete centered. Hmm. How do I say this, Jake? I'm sorry, all the listeners, what I'm trying to say is, and I'm just going to talk it and then we can like pull out what the actual point is. Okay. So yeah, so it's important to listen to your people and like be a, like, listen more than you speak. It's important to hire people that don't look like you because we all do that, whether we see it or not. And your athletes need diverse people that look like them or don't look like them coaching them. So make sure you hire diversely. And then um, the third one is, is is don't be afraid to create things where your athletes have advocacy over different decisions that are being made or like make sure that their voices are heard. Um, so creating a space where athletes can come together and have real conversations about things that are happening in their communities and creating that safe space is huge for your organization to stay connected and empowered. And the last thing would be to um, go ahead to morganmjones.com and you can book me directly to work with your coaches and your leaders um, with my the Connected Leader, Connected Coach workshop or keynote. And then I can also work with your athletes, with your Athletes to Visionaries Either a keynote where I speak for an hour, or a workshop which can be anywhere from one to three hours, which is really highly um, engaging. We have live demonstrations. Um, we do role playing, and it's really impactful to connect um, your entire department in ways that are meaningful and can ignite um, the conversation and change you want to see.
0: I love it, and I love the way you got that fourth one in there. Um, Uh, I I did. I wrote down your third tool. I'm trying. I'm looking at our toolbox matrix right now, and uh, I'm trying to see if it's which category it's going to fit in, because I love it. It's a great tool. Um, Or is it going to be one of our unique tools that uh, someone hasn't mentioned in quite that way yet? So it's definitely going to be in the toolbox. Um, Morgan, one more time, we know the website morganmjones.com. If somebody wants to email you directly, pick your brain. And listeners, I think you got a great resource here. What's the best way they can get a hold of you?
1: Morgan at morganmjones.com.
0: Okay, Morgan Jones, thanks again for sharing today on the podcast and all the best moving forward.
1: Yes, thank you, Jake. I really appreciate it. And all the listeners, thank you.
0: Oh, you bet. Uh, for our listeners, we do this just about every day, and we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you uh, tuning in. Come back next time for another great interview and just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time.